This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. For our teaching time today, we are going to go over the Acts passage. Pentecost is the 50th day after Passover. And tradition has it that that's also the day that God gave the law to Moses on Mount Ararat. And you remember, if you look back in Exodus or think back in Exodus, God appeared on the top of the mountain in fire and there was the holy wind blowing. Well, on Pentecost, there was that mighty rushing wind and what? The tongues of fire resting on their heads. So... And so it was also an opportune time for the Lord to send the Holy Spirit because Pentecost was the festival that was the most well-attended festival of all the Jewish festivals that were occurred throughout the year. The weather was good, so people went down to Jerusalem, which is why you have in that description of all those different people who were there, it's because the Pentecost festival was the most well-attended. Now, you would think it would be, what, Passover? Not so. Pentecost. And so the city of Jerusalem was teeming with people. Now, they were all in accord with one, in one place. They were all praying together. And what happened when they were doing that? Well, there was this sound Again, of that rushing wind and the tongues of fire came to rest and settle on each person's head. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Can we turn to the next slide? There. It's the painting by the artist El Greco. And it is the painting called Pentecost. Pentecost. Well, you guys are sharp today. Now, you see up there at the top, there's the dove symbolizing the Holy Spirit, and look at what's on each person's head, a tongue of fire. And Mary is in the middle, and all of the apostles are gathered around. One question we could ask is, does this painting give us an accurate portrayal of the events of that day? Yes, it does. Now, they prayed, and suddenly that wind rushes in, and those tongues of fire appeared on their heads, and they were all amazed. Okay, so now, Kent Hughes says about this same passage, As the apostles' heads were bowed in prayer, a breeze began to move across them. And then it was more than a breeze. Literally an echoing sound as of a mighty wind borne violently. It roared through the house like the whir of a tornado so that their robes flapped wildly. The Spirit of God was coming upon them. A fiery presence was in their midst and, as the Greek indicates, it suddenly divided into separate flame-like tongues that individually danced over the heads of those who were present. Fire has always symbolized the presence of God. 
Through John the Baptist, God had promised a baptism with fire, right? He tells us he will be the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So, as the Spirit continued giving them to speak out in a clear, loud voice, the Greek text says, they spoke as clearly and powerfully as the Old Testament prophets. This event may seem esoteric and mysterious with its wind, fire, and supernatural utterance. It has a primal ring like the Greeks, earth, fire, wind, and water. But in the Jewish context, the phenomenon was perfectly understandable. The Hebrew word for wind, ruach, and the Greek word pneuma are both used for the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel used ruach to describe the Spirit of God moving over that valley of dry bones, representing a dead Jewish nation. And so suddenly there was thunder and the clattering of bones as they all came together bone to bone. Then came the wonderfully macabre spectacle of them all having flesh grow on it. And Ezekiel then prophesied, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. They lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And at Pentecost, the reviving winds of the Spirit came upon the apostles with incredible spiritual life and power. One of those examples of the incredible power that took place was who got up in front of everybody and started preaching to the crowds. Who was it? Who got up and stood preaching to the crowds? Peter. There we go. Now, only about 50 days before that, what did Peter do? He denied that he knew Jesus. And then later... Jesus restored him. So within a few days after that, here's Peter preaching to this huge crowd. However, before he got up to speak, there was this little thing happening where all of the apostles were up. And it means every one of those people who were in that room who got filled with the Holy Spirit, everyone, including Mary were out there speaking the wonderful works of God. All of those people gathered around noticed something about these folks who were doing the speaking and preaching and they were hearing them in their own languages. They were surprised. They were surprised because all of those people speaking were Galileans. And they were amazed at that. And we know that because it says, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? They were surprised that these Galileans could do that. Why? Because all the people who were sophisticated in Jerusalem believed the Galileans were hicks. If you think about this, it's like the difference between the town of Wellesley and Alabama. Now, so that's how they saw these people. They thought, how is this happening? So Peter explained why this phenomenon is taking place. But then let's go through the list of all those people who were there. It says there were Parthians and Medes and Elamites 
in those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And folks, that assembly of people at that time was generally the known world. For the people in Jerusalem, this sampling of folks who were gathered around there in large numbers represented every place that they knew existed. And so this was for them an amazing phenomenon. And it was amazing anyway, because they're sitting up there preaching, and some of those guys, they were preaching, and didn't even probably know what they were saying if they were speaking in all of these different languages. But that's okay. The people who were hearing them understood it. And guess what? The message of the gospel was getting preached and heard. Now, Peter stands up with the eleven and raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. That represents about nine o'clock in the morning. And you know that it was not very likely that those guys were drunk. Because in that, Jewish, in that time, the Jewish custom was not to have your first meal until ten. So most of those people would not have been up eating and drinking before this time anyway. But there they are. But that doesn't stop the people from saying they're full of new wine. You know, thinking these guys are all drunk because they're out there going blah, 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 you know. And they're hearing them in their own language, though. So Peter says, what's happening here in front of you is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And it was like, six centuries before this or so, that Joel prophesied, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Now, he's poured, the Holy Spirit has come. He's poured out the Spirit upon those folks. And there they are speaking in all these different languages. And our epistle reading this morning was that great section from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, outlining all of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, which one of those gifts gets most of the press and attention. Prophecy, eh, that's number two. So, although that's good, that's, you got number two. Tongues. The gift of tongues is the one that gets all of the attention, and it's the one that has created, not of its own, but because of our human frailties, has attracted all of the attention and made, created all of the controversy. Whole new denominations have come about because of this disagreement over the gift of tongues. Now, I want to tell everybody here, 
It shall come to pass in the last days. Are we still in the last days? Right. When did the last days begin? Good. At Jesus' ascension, the last days began right at that moment when there was liftoff and Jesus went up to heaven. And so, since that time, we've been in the last days. So, if we put these two pieces of information together, can we be reliably certain that all of those spiritual gifts that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12 are still good for today? Yes. Because we're still in the last days. Joel said it about six, seven hundred years before Jesus was born unto the earth. But... We're still in the last days. Those gifts are still good for today. Now, what does Peter say at the very end of this sermon? Well, actually in this section. Verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Calling on the name of the Lord. In the New Testament, there is never a place where the scripture says, ask Jesus into your heart. When you declare your faith in Christ, say, Lord, I believe you, save me. You say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. So that's all you got to do. Christ is in you by the Holy Spirit. But then that's life-saving knowledge. It's sort of like if you're driving along this road going 60, 70 miles an hour, and you come around a bend and someone flags you down and says, stop, stop. The bridge ahead is out. The river is swollen and knocked the bridge down. And you decide to believe them. Is that life-changing knowledge? Yeah. And so it's the same kind of thing here. Where if you trust in Christ and you say, Lord, I believe you. Save my soul. You're a Christian from that point on because he comes in and takes up residence inside of you and in your heart. And so you don't need to ask him in. Tell him you believe in him and he comes in. That is the end of verse 21. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.Podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.